Amen. God has blessed our church in so many ways, and uh, we're delighted uh, that there are our friends that are gathered here today and others that are recovering from sickness. Luke chapter 6 and verse 19, and the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him and healed them all. We have been talking as we started a series last Sunday, uh, as we introduced this series, we talked about uh, the five spiritual senses. And last Sunday morning, we talked about uh, vision. And uh, last Sunday night, the Lord visited us in a very special way as we talked about speech and what it is to have spiritual speech. And today, we want to talk about touch. Amen. How many of you know you can touch God? What a beautiful thing to be able to touch the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Why don't we bow our heads and pray, Lord? So thankful for your people that are gathered in your house today. Thank you for this opportunity to study your word together. We pray, God, that you would just touch us with your presence and just illuminate our hearts and minds through the principles of your word. We will give you praise for all things. Everybody said in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. We start out in this life, at least for the first few years, with firm instructions of a variety of things not to touch. In fact, you don't have to teach a child to touch something. Nobody says, touch. Everybody says, don't touch. There's not many signs in stores. Perhaps there are in some more interactive stores, but I can't even think of any right now that say touch. They almost all say you touch a, you break a, you buy a, and all those other things. But they're always warnings. Don't touch that. As children, we hear it in the house. Don't touch the stove. Don't touch the plate. Don't touch the glass. When we go shopping with our parents, our parents are giving us instructions before we ever enter the store. Now we're going into this store, and I don't want you to touch anything. Don't pick up anything. Don't put anything in the buggy. Don't touch anything. Just walk. And... Of course, the owners of the stores reinforce that with signs and whatnot, but you don't, you don't have to teach a child to touch one of those little shiny, pretty toys. It's already wired in us to want to touch. I think they call that the discovery stage whenever we're always wanting to touch. But society is always trying to keep us from touching the wrong thing. Don't touch. Well... That's not something that's new. In fact, we get it honestly because the Bible has a lot to say about touch. And as I was researching this, I think the word touch is found 50 times uh, in the Word of God. And 90% of it is what we're not supposed to touch. Don't touch the tree in the Garden of Eden. And if you do, you will die. I mean, there was really firm instructions in the Word of God about touch don't touch the mountain in the wilderness or even the border of the mountain or you will die i mean there was some strong instruction don't touch any unclean thing whether it be a carcass or an unclean beast there's a lot in the word of god about not touching dead things bishop myers was teaching this morning about how our society has become infatuated with the dead television shows about zombies walking here and there and universal studios already prepping everybody to go over there and go through all their haunted garbage and they used to promote it a couple of weeks before halloween now they're way up in here in september and they're wanting us to all focus on the dead the dead the dead there's a lot in the word of god about not touching the dead I think it'd be good instructions for us to take that and to put that in our spirit and say, I want to associate with that that is alive. Hallelujah. The Lord has given us the spirit of life. I think it's a trick of the enemy to get young people convinced to try to act like the walking dead. Convince these young people to wear all of black and, and put all kinds of stuff on their face like they're just, you know, 
walking around this earth, but they're dead inside. I'm going to tell you something. You've got the joy of the Lord. Every day is a gift. You ought to wake up and say, Lord, I've come today. I thank you for another day to worship you, to glorify God. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm going to tell you what, if you're not appreciative of this life, you ought to go to a third world country and watch them walk around every day and just try to find clean water. If you live in America and you've got the ability to stand upright, you ought to have some praise in your heart. Every day is a gift from God. Even if you're below the poverty line in America, you're still in the top 10% of the wealth of this world. I'm going to tell you what, I believe everybody in this building and in the, in the vicinity of the United States of America ought to be thankful to glorify God. And I'll just get political for a moment too because I, I'm the pastor and I can do it. These professional football players that get paid millions of dollars but can't stand up for the United States of America and the flag. Why don't you go live in a third world country somewhere where you got to figure out where you're going to find your next meal and you'll be thankful for the men and women that died so that you could have the freedom to make millions of dollars. We better get a sense in this world of appreciation. You ought to find something to thank God about. I know we're dealing in a humanity and in a world of fallen nature, but we have got an opportunity to say this is the day that the Lord hath made. Let's find something to be thankful for. Oh, I'm thankful for the First Pentecostal Church. I'm thankful that I've got brothers and sisters, hallelujah, that are full of the Holy Ghost, that have made a decision to live a righteous life. I'm thankful, hallelujah, that I know who Jesus is. I don't have to worry about who God is, that there's some sort of a, of a deity out there. I know who he is. I know his name. I know that at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. And I know that I can touch him. I can reach him. He is reachable to us today. And so throughout all, at least at the beginning of the Word of God, there are all of these instructions. In fact, the first five verses that touch is mentioned in the Bible, it's what not to touch. Until, until we get to Genesis 27. That particular chapter tells us the story of Jacob wrestling with God in the form of a man until Jacob is touched in the hollow of his thigh which is the hip socket it throws it out of joint and he limps from then on but the touch that he received gave him a new identity he was no longer Jacob the deceiver he was now Israel, the prince. The touch reduced his flesh, but it elevated his position with God. The Bible said he had power with God. This was a touch that Jacob pursued. This was a touch that was born in despair and desire. He had been commanded to let go of this God in the form of a man, theophany. God had said, let me go. And he said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Jacob insisted. He pursued. He pressed. He wanted a touch from God. There is something about desire. That opens a door that nothing else will open. When a man or a woman says, I'm tired of living this life of sin. 
I'm tired of going back like the Bible said, a dog that returns to its vomit. I'm tired of living with this squalor in my life. I'm tired of being addicted to alcohol or drugs or pornography or whatever vice of sin you're dealing with. I'm tired. I believe that God can heal my mind, heal my emotion, heal my body. I'm going to tell you what, it doesn't matter who your daddy is, who your mama is, where you came from, what your background was. If you make up in your mind that you want a touch from God, you'll receive it. Oh, I feel the boldness of the Holy Ghost. There is something about a person who will passionately pursue God. This was something that Jacob, he, he broke through some barriers that had not been broken through before. He was not supposed to receive the birthright. He was the second born. But because of desire, God even changed his own rules. And because he pursued when Esau didn't really care, had sort of a nonchalant spirit about it. Oh, I pray in America that we don't have a nonchalant spirit about the things of God. Lackadaisical, take it or leave it. No, let there be a fire burns in the heart of every apostolic Pentecostal person. Let there be a hunger and a thirst that wakes us up in the middle of the night and says, I've got to have more of you. I'm thankful for everything that you've done, but I'm not satisfied. I believe there's more. I'm still hungry for a revival in my home, a revival in my heart. Jacob broke through some barriers that all of us have benefited from. Something opened up because of Jacob's pursuit of a touch. Something opened up for all of humanity. This ability to have an encounter with God. It was now possible to touch God. Creature touching the creator. Humanity touching deity. Door is open. Access is granted. For us to come into the presence of a king in the midst of deity. There is something about a touch from our heavenly father. That is unexplainable until you've experienced it for yourself. I remember and I've shared this story before. If you've heard it, forgive me for repeating it. But when our twin boys were born, they were born a month early. So they were in the NICU unit and they were hooked up to a lot of machines and wires. And my wife and I would have to put on these robes and wash our hands, gloves and all this stuff because they were trying to keep a controlled environment from germs and whatnot. And, and we would go in there and there was so little and there's so many wires and it's just a troubling thing to see, you know, your, your children. But the people that work in these units, the doctors and the nurses are just amazing people. And we had become very familiar with these individuals and the different ones, and they rotated it day and night, and they care for these, these little babies like their own children. And they, we just, there's a bond that develops, and we had become very uh, close with these people during these days, and then some that went into even more than a week. And so we would sort of put on all of this apparel, and we would go into these uh, rooms where our twin boys were, and they were there, and they had all these wires and machines and so forth. And they're just little, little bitty guys. And, and I would go over there, and I would talk to, you know, the boys. And I would reach down and touch the toe or something where there wasn't a, you know, already a wire hooked up to it or sensor or whatnot. And when I would touch the toe or a finger, the machines would start to go whoop, 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 like that. And they would come in and they would say, um, Dad, now we, uh, we need you to not touch your boys. And I'm like, oh, but they're so cute, you know, and you just want to hold them and love them. And, and they said, well, here's the thing you've got to understand. 
they know your touch. I said, but I've, I've not even really had a chance to hold them yet. But they said, they know. They know your voice and they know the touch of their father. They know that you're their father. And when you touch them, they get excited. And the machines go off. And we have to get them all back down to normal and, and get them all, you know, sedated again. And I said, but don't we want them to be excited? <laughs> they said, yes, there's coming a time for that, but everything has to go in its proper order and so forth. And, and I got to thinking about how if that is true in the natural, how much more so is it true in the spiritual? People say, oh, you Pentecostals, just go down there and y'all get all excited. No, we know the touch of our Heavenly Father. We're not here to cheer on a football game. We're not here to cheer on some sporting match. We're here because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the Creator of all of humanity chooses to touch us and call us His friend. I am a friend of God. You are a friend of God. So you pardon me if we get excited. We used to sing an old song. He touched me and I turned around. Somebody touched me. Woo, how many of you remember singing that song? He touched me and I spoke in tongues. Somebody touched me. He touched me and I leaped for joy. Boy, I hope we don't ever get so sophisticated that we can exclaim with our emotions and our feelings and our voice and our energy and our effort. Thank you, Lord, for touching me. Thank you, Lord, for healing me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Woo! Hallelujah! I want to say this before I get into my sermon. I haven't even got into my sermon yet. It's just introduction. <laughs> that once you have touched him, you will never be the same. It's a great verse. It's in Genesis 32. It tells the story about Jacob. And it says, because of where Jacob was touched in the hollow of his thigh, that the children of Israel... Verse 32 says, eat not of the sinew which shrink, which I believe is like part of a, is a ligament, which is upon the hollow of the thigh, unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrank. In other words, the children of Israel, thousands of years later, when they would go to eat a piece of meat, they wouldn't eat that portion, that sinew that shrank as a memorial. This is where God Almighty, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. This is where he touched our father, Israel. And because of that, we've never been the same. Thousands of years later, they're still looking back and remembering that touch. Oh, I tell you what, Paul talked about it in the New Testament. He said, you need to call to remembrance. Some of you remember when God healed you in the midnight hour. Woo, hallelujah. You didn't know where to go. You didn't know what the problem was. But you felt him touch you or your child in the middle of the night. Some of you remember when God healed you from lung cancer. You remember where you were standing when you got the Holy Ghost. There ought to be some reverence that you and I never forget. That God touched us. And we touched him. I know the enemy would like for you and I to forget all about that, but I think we ought to call to remembrance and say, Lord, ever since you've touched me, I've never been the same. I can't just go back to just living this life. No, he touched me and I turned around. He touched me and I leaped for joy. 
He touched me and I spoke in. He touched me and I became a new creature in Christ Jesus. He touched me and I became a worshiper. I used to live a negative life, criticizing and condemning. But now there's a praise in my mouth. Oh, I used to. You may say I used to not like people that go to church. I was riding the other day. I was telling our, uh, one of our vision casting groups. I said I was riding the other day behind a car. I saw a bumper sticker. It was right down here on Emerson and Malabar. It was a bumper sticker. And it said, I don't have a problem with God. It's just his fan club I can't stand. Man, I wanted to ram the back of that guy's car and then get out and give him a track. <laughs> give him something to really dislike me about. But then I got to thinking about it. I thought, thank you, Lord, that I immediately associated as being a member of your fan club. Hallelujah. People, some of you may have been a part of that group that couldn't stand God's fan club. Why them crazy religious people down there always carrying on, dressing up, thinking they're better than everybody else. And now here you are, you're leading, you're the part of the fan club. <laughs> Woo, I love how God works. I mean, Paul was trying to kill Christians. You talk about not liking the fan club. He was getting permission. Stephen was stoned and all that. And the Lord stopped him. I'm going to tell you what. God can stop you in a heartbeat. Don't get too big for your britches. Start thinking you all this and that in a bag of chips. God can take the breath out of your lungs as you're sitting on a pew. Every day is a gift. If you're breathing air, it's a blessing of God. Oh, hallelujah. That's why every day, just for insurance, you ought to say, Lord, I thank you for another day. I thank you for giving me breath. I'm going to use it today to bless you, Lord. So I'm going to just say this before I get out of the house and turn on the news and get all depressed. I'm going to say this. Thank you, Lord, for opening up these eyes of mine. Thank you, Lord, for another day to praise you. Thank you, Lord, for touching me one day. I used to thought I'd never go to church, but here I am in the house of God. I used to not like the Word of God. Now here I am studying the Word of God. I used to not like the people of God. Now I can't wait to assemble with my brothers and sisters. The world can't understand it. We're different. We recognize that. Jacob was different. He looked different. He walked different. I'm going to tell you something. When you get touched by God, you walk different. you got a different walk than you had before. Now there's a purpose and a plan and passion and desire. But somehow, we, in our limited strength and understanding, because the Bible said His ways are higher than our ways. As humans can touch God. So the rhetorical question that I pose to you today is, how do we touch God? Well, like Jacob, I believe, first of all, that we touch him in our struggles. I remember reading this statement. We were talking about it, I think, yesterday. That... And, and I think it's in Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. But I remember one sentence that God never wastes a hurt. Any time in this life that you have hurt, there is a lesson to be learned in that hurt. There is something that you and I can receive from that disappointment or that pain. There is something about struggle that gives you closeness to God. Now, nobody wants to struggle. We don't want to struggle financially. We don't want to struggle emotionally. We don't want to struggle socially, mentally, however, whatever category you want to put it in. Now, I'm sure Jacob didn't want to struggle. He would have rather just had a touch and move on and get a good night's sleep before he meets his brother the next day on the other side of Jordan. But he sent his family ahead and he said, I'm committed to whatever it takes. And so all night long, there was a struggle. Some things will only come to you in the struggle. 
It won't be microwaved to you. It won't be in a moment of time. But it's in the struggle. It's in the heartache. It's in saying, God, I've got to get a hold of the horns of the altar. But there's something about that struggle. There's something about it. Your friends uh, may distance themselves from you. But let me tell you something. It's in the struggle that God comes near. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody this morning. I said it's in the struggle that God comes near. It's in the struggle that you feel his presence. You feel his wind at your back. You know that God is close to you. He's not a figment of your imagination. He's not somebody out there beyond the Milky Way. He's not something out there that's in a black hole. He is as close as the very mention of his name. And he is not repulsed by your problems. He is drawn to your dilemma. When you struggle, he comes near. He's reachable. Mark chapter 3 and verse 10 says, For he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him as many as had plagues. It was those that had plagues that pursued him. It were those that were struggling that sought after him. It was those that were hurting that would not take no for an answer. When they told blind Bartimaeus to keep quiet, he lied, he shouted out even the louder. Jesus, thou son of David. He was saying, I'm tired of being on the wayside. I'm tired of being looked over. I'm tired of being blind. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And I'm going to get my touch. We touch him in our struggles. So what is it that plagues us? What is it that plagues you? What besets you? Use the plague to press, to pursue, to draw near. The lady with the issue of blood, Mark chapter 5 and verse 25 says, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. And I know I'm taking this word out of context, but let me just stop and say this. Don't ever feel like you can't be saved because you have too many issues. Oh, pastor, you don't know about all my baggage, man. I got this and that and so forth. I'm going to tell you what, God specializes in people like you. God didn't die for perfect people. In fact, I know I'm going to mess up some of y'all's brains right now, but there ain't nobody perfect except him. You say, well, pastor, you don't know I had a pretty good week, but you're still not perfect. You say, well, I got so much stuff, I don't know God would. Let me tell you something. It's those that have plagues, those that have issues, those that have things that... They can't solve on their own. Jesus is drawn to. Suffered many things of many physicians. The Bible says she was a certain woman, which means that she was a, a woman of some wealth or notoriety. and She must have had the, the money to seek out all the different physicians, but said she had suffered many things of many physicians. Maybe many of them had taken her money. Maybe many of them had tried treatments that had not worked. But it said she spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Sometimes, folks, you can try everything else, but I'm going to tell you what, you'll only get worse. I'm going to tell you what, in the midst of the struggle, there's a God who's coming near you, and he wants to touch you. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind. That didn't mean she was a reporter. That means she came in with a crowd that was pressing and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said this. And watch this. Here's what he said. Who touched my clothes? He knew not only that somebody had touched him, but he knew that somebody had touched the hem of his garment. Let me tell you the second way that you and I touch him. We touch him in what surrounds God. 
We touch him in our struggles, but we also touch him by that that surrounds him. She said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, not him, but the hem of his garment. H-E-M, not H-I-M. She didn't say if I could touch his hand or if I could touch his head or if he would touch me. If I could just touch the bottom of his garment, the very bottom, the hem of the robe, I can be made whole. And Jesus knew, even though there were hundreds, maybe thousands of people pushing and shoving, that somebody touched. In fact, the disciples said, what? There's people all around you, Jesus. What do you mean, who touched your clothes? No, no, he said, somebody touched me. I felt virtue go out of me. Good God Almighty. That, that surrounded Jesus. She didn't actually touch his flesh, but she touched his garment. Let me give you another insight this morning. You want to touch God? Touch the things that are touching God. Touch the things that are touching God. We know that God is a spirit. But there is, within our ability and understanding, a way to touch God by touching what surrounds God. You say, well, what is that? Thank you for asking. You want to know God? Get to know the people that know God. You're not going to get spiritual having a bunch of carnal friends. You say, yeah, but they're a whole lot more fun than church people. You don't know the right church people. (laughs) But you can't get close to God when you're close with people who are trying to get away from God. If you want to get close to God, you've got to get close to people that are getting close to God. You got to get the right friends. You got to get the right people in your life. You got to get the right circle. You got to say, you know what? I don't know that man. I don't know that woman, but they're always in church. They're always worshiping God. They're always in the altar. I'm going to tell you what, if you're a single or a young person, let me tell you something. You ought to be looking at people who are interested in the things of God. You can't say, God, I want to serve you, and I want you to, to use me, and I, I want to be a vessel of the Holy Ghost, and, and I want your spirit, I want to be a mission, I want to be a preacher, I want to be whatever, so and I want to do it, and then go and chase somebody who don't care about nothing that you care about. You say, oh, but they look good. <laughs> well, the question is, what looks better to you? Being close to God or being close to somebody, you say, oh, but they love God. They just don't know it yet. They don't realize it yet. And you think, oh, but I'm going to teach them a Bible study. I'm going to tell you what, they're going to do more teaching to you than you're going to do to them. Oh, yeah. You know why? Because if you're pursuing God, then there will be within each and every one of us a desire to be in an atmosphere where God is working. Well, guess where God works? Where two or three are gathered together in my name. There will I be in the midst of them. Where two or three are agreeing together. So you know what? If you want to touch God, you made the right move this morning. You come into the house of God. You get in. The, you start rubbing shoulders with people that say, "I don't want to just go to church as usual. I'm not interested in the status quo. I want to get somewhere where there's people that desire a touch from God, no matter what the cost." That's how you touch God. You want to get connected to God? Get connected to what is connected to God. You say, well, what is connected to God? Well, he's connected to his church. I said he's connected to his church. You can read this throughout all the word of God. He's connected to his people. It's always a part of his heart. But not only that, he's connected to his word. So if I want to get a touch from God, I got to touch that that touches God. In the beginning was the word. 
and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. It touched him. It was the essence. I'm going to tell you how you get a touch from God. It's not looking for the man that can do it for you. It's getting into the Word of God. And when you get into the Word of God, guess what happens? You feel God touching you, and you start to touch Him. Let me tell you something else he's connected to. He's connected to praise. I said he's connected to praise. When you praise him with all of your heart, when you say, Lord, I'm going to bless you, it's not because I've had a great week. It's not because I'm going to just worship you until I touch you. There's something about glorifying God and lifting up your hands, lifting up your voice, lifting up your spirit and saying, bless the Lord, oh my soul. God is drawn to that. The Bible said he inhabits the praises of his people. He doesn't say he inhabits the business meeting. Hello, somebody. He inhabits the praises of his people. When God's people get together and begin to sing and begin to worship and begin to glorify God, that's what he is drawn to. And so, if I want to get connected to God, I get connected to the things that are connected to God, which is worship. The one, of the, one of the things that I think is important for us to, to realize, and I'm going to move on to my third point, is that he is connected to faith. When you believe God, God comes close to humanity whenever there is faith. This is why you'll see a lot of the supernatural things happen as a result of faith. Whether it's a healing in a body, or it's people receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, the evidence of speaking in tongues, or it's whether or not it's a, it's a supernatural miracle that takes place where a life is changed and a heart is changed and a, and a person comes back to God. Whatever it is that God does that you and I can step back from and say, it was the hand of God. We were in Malawi. There were nine different miracles that we saw where tumors, literally, that you could see disappeared. And you look at that and you see it and you're like, that has to be God. It's undeniable. How many of you are glad God gives you an undeniable experience? You don't even have to take my word for it. You can know him for yourself. John chapter 20 and verse 27. Jesus is now appearing after his resurrection to his believers. And when Mary Magdalene saw him, he said, don't touch me not yet ascended to my father but yet when he saw Thomas John chapter 20 verse 27 then saith he to Thomas reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side in other words, touch me, Thomas. Touch me, Thomas. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Let me tell you what I believe is the third way that we touch God. We touch him when we surrender to God. Not my will, but thy will be done. In our struggle, in the things that surround God, and in the surrendering of our will. Lord, I've tried to ignore this, tried to do my own thing. But I recognize now that I must come to you. And ladies and gentlemen, ultimately, touch him in the spirit. When you or I are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, it is not something that is made by man's own creation. It is a gift from heaven. And every single individual that receives the gift of the Holy Ghost and has that anointing and that unction upon them that is undeniable evidence, speaking out in other tongues, a heavenly language as there's an overflow See, everything that God does is with abundance. 
God is not a stingy God. He's an all-you-can-eat kind of God. Oh, folks, the marriage supper of the Lamb that you read about in the book of Revelation, it's not going to be now just a quarter of a chicken and one helping of green beans. It's going to be all you can eat. God doesn't ever order a single from Wendy's. Doubles and triples and all you can eat. God gives you all you can stand and more. <laughs> Woo, when he fed that crowd of 5,000, they had 12 baskets left over. When God touches you, it's not enough to just satisfy you. It flows over. That's why you want to get around people that are getting blessed. Because it'll splash over onto you. And when you and I receive the Holy Ghost, it's further evidence of the splash over nature of God. When you speak out, it's the overflow of what God is doing on the inside of you. Ladies and gentlemen, that's us in our humanity touching deity. It's that spirit that is the point of connection for each and every one of us. And it's what God has for all of us. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Mm. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We used to sing a song, reach out and touch the Lord. As he, you will find he's not too busy to hear your heart's cry. He's passing by this moment, your need to so reach out and touch the Lord as He goes by. Sing it with us. Oh, reach out and touch the Lord as He Jesus, reach out. I want to give this altar call to you this morning. And I want to do it in reverse of the way these points were presented. First of all, every one of you here today that's ready to surrender your will to his will. I want you to step out from where you're standing right now and come down to this altar. Maybe there's been some things you've been battling with, but you say, I'm going to turn it all over to God right now. You said, I'm coming now to surrender because I can touch him. 
in my surrender. You said, I'm willing to say today, my Lord and my God. Maybe you've had some doubts. Maybe you've had some concerns. But you said, I'm willing to surrender right now, Lord. I'm acknowledging by coming to this front that every hope that I've got, every dream I've got, has got to be wrapped up in you. And I surrender to you. And the next that I want to do is I want to say to everybody in this building, those of you that want to surround yourself with the things of God, with the people of God, with the Word of God, with the Spirit of God, why don't you step out from where you're standing right now? Why don't you touch Him by getting into that atmosphere, as it were, of other people that are saying we desire a touch from God. And then those of you that may be struggling, come on, you can touch Him right now. God will not turn you away because of what you're battling with. In fact, God will come close. Come on, if you're in one of those three categories, there's a God that wants to touch you today as you step out from where you're standing and we sing this song. There's a God that will touch you. today. He touched me. Come on, sing it until you feel it. He touched me. Hallelujah. And oh, oh, the joy. Hallelujah. Thank you for that touch, Jesus. Something happened. And Because we know the Word of God says 
That one can put to flight 1,000 and two can put to flight 10,000. There is power in unity. Why don't you take a hold of the hand of the person you're standing next to right now. Come on, why don't we pray for one another right now. Pray for one another until it overflows out of your spirit. That's it, lift up your voice, lift up your hands, lift up your heart. Receive you the gift of God's spirit. Let heaven touch earth through your life. That's it, that's it, that's it. In the name of Jesus. That's it, God's touching some people right now. Hallelujah. Something happened. 